Sports Talk for real sports fans. 1700, the champ. Hey, everybody, welcome in. Jim and Trent, we say hello to you on 1700, the champ. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference Insider, will be our guest and we'll run through everything going on in the Big Ten. Trent, uh, look, I, 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 this is this is a tough one for me, mm-hmm. and it, I'm I'm sure that you have an opinion on this as well. But the Gary Dolphin thing, uh, being suspended for two games, has right now taken away all of the steam out of covering the Iowa Hawkeyes basketball team. Iowa is six and zero. And they've got a big game coming up against Wisconsin. And here we are talking about a broadcaster who has been suspended for two games for an off-mic comment. And I'm, I'm, I'm just sick about it. And one of the reasons I'm upset about it as well is that what the Iowa press release had in it, where not only did they say Dolph was suspended for two games for the off-mic comment, but other factors were included mm-hmm. in that. All right, what the hell are other factors, and why would you even bring that up? Is he on double secret probation? <laughs> are we doing are we doing Animal House here? What in the wide wide world of sport is going on, and why would that even be referenced? You know, it's well, it's the University of Iowa athletic department. They have continually put their foot in their mouth and adding things that don't need to be there. Jim, you're right with the way that it played out. And he listened to the audio and, and what was played there with Gary Dolphin, the comments that he made. And, and I, I think a big portion of this and what led down the path, if it would have been more matter of a fact, you know, context matters. And, and talking about how good those pit young guards looked, all right, that can, can be construed as a negative to the athletic department of the recruiting. I, I get that. I don't think that was the big deal. And even what he said about Macy Daly, look, Pitt has these great guards, and to paraphrase Dolph. Pitt has these great freshman guards, and here we are out there, and we got Macy Daly putting his head down into a double team. If he would have said it, which he said, like that, it would have been fine. But there was a tone in Dolph's voice mm-hmm. when he brought up Macy Daly's name. And that tone, and it felt like some disdain, some frustration. Because of that, I think that's why we are the path that we are. If he said it more matter-of-fact, it wouldn't have been a big deal, and it would have been brushed aside. But there was a lot of negativity and bringing up a student's athlete's name, and that's how we get here. But to your original point, Jim, about the addition that was put on there by Gary Barta, this is the thing that just leaves you scratching your head about the way they do things in Iowa City. Here's the uh, quote from the press release from last night. The two-game suspension is a result of those comments. Now that's period. Move on. Yeah, and, and, and that's move it. on. You're done. Yeah. Instead, this is added as well as some un- ongoing tensions that have built up over the past couple of years. All right. What does that lead to? It leads to speculation. It leads to mm-hmm. a lot of conversation. It leads to us talking about it here to begin a program. That's where we get. That's how we go. That's the problem that crops up. You know, Jimmy B., I, I just continue to shake my head. Gary Dolphin gets a two-game suspension for that. Gary Barta loses millions of dollars in a lawsuit for not doing his job yes. well. He gets nothing. He just gets nothing. He just gets another vacation. You explain it. I, I wish I could. I wish I had an answer for you. 
and I and I just shake my head. Trent, this could have easily been handled internally, and that's all Barta had to say. Mm-hmm. And he would have he would have killed this story. It'll be handled internally. That's all he had to say, and he could have done anything. Could have taken Dolph's tickets away. Could have made him sit on a on a steel chair calling the game instead of that nice cushy chair that he sits in. I don't know. He could have done a number of things. Taken away his parking spot in, in where the media park at the arena. I, I, who knows? But you could have done this. Dolph went on the air and apologized. Went to Daly and apologized. Went to Fran McCaffrey and apologized. And from that aspect, okay, let's not even go anywhere near this in the public, and we'll just take care of it ourselves. Trent, if that were the case, we would be sitting here talking about a 6-0 and Hawk basketball team getting ready to play Ethan Happ and how that matchup is going to take place between Ethan Happ and Luca Garza. Right. Instead, we're talking about a radio play-by-play guy who's a terrific guy, has been with Iowa since, what, 96, 95, 96? He's been working their games. Mm-hmm. And, and look, whether you like his play-by-play or not, that is not the issue here. The issue is what you just read. There are other circumstances which have made tensions tight. Wait a minute. All he said was that, Daly dribbles into a double team. That's all he said. He never cursed, never said anything bad about the kid other than on the basketball court, he just dribbles into double teams. All right, you take him aside and slap his hand, make him apologize privately to Daly and McCaffrey and the entire team, and that's it. It's over. You know, you've done an, you've, it's over. You've done enough. You have squelched that situation immediately, and now it's blown up in your face again like that dope Barda. Gary Barda is head-scratching. He raises money well. There, there's been plenty of head-scratching decisions. But Scott Docterman of The Athletic, he had a great piece that came out last night and adding, what are these ongoing tensions? And, and I know for a lot of people that's probably the biggest question and why – Barta added fuel to the fire by adding that to the press release last night. What are these ongoing tensions? Well, Dr. Ben, in his piece, talked a little bit about going back to a basketball game a few years ago. Gary Dolphin asked for extra tickets. Extra tickets, and I'm sure that happens a lot. Jim, when you did play-by-play, you had some buddies coming in, whatever it may have been. I'm sure you did the same kind of thing. That happens. The problem is those uh, people that got their hands on the tickets were Wisconsin fans. And they were sitting right next to Margaret McCaffrey, and they were giving the coach's wife a hard time throughout the game. That's not what you want to see. Those are not seats reserved for visiting fans, yet that's where it was. Okay. You also have the rumor, the, the I don't know if this is a joke. I, I personally can't believe that it's true, but the water bottle story. You've heard this one, right, right, Jim? Yeah, that, yeah that I've heard Fran that. Fran McCaffrey was walking by, and he picked up a water bottle to take a drink during a game. And it was a special water bottle that didn't have water in it from Dolph. Who knows if that's true. That aside, that's not enough to really rankle things. But there are certain personalities that don't mesh, that don't get along, that don't work. And you still have to have a working relationship. It could be as simple as that. But when you put this in a press release, this leads to speculation. This leads to questions about what does that mean? How bad is it? 
Is Fred McCaffrey trying to push Gary Dolphin out the door? Is it that bad? You just you don't know, Jimmy B. And when you do this, and when you do something as mon- moronic as what Gary Barta did, it leads to the speculation that we're having right now. I, I just think it's horrible because in today's media day, Fran McCaffrey's instructed his players, you will not bring this subject up. And this is the main topic of conversation. We just led the show talking about a longtime play-by-play broadcaster being suspended for two games. That's where we led the show. Instead of getting ready for the Big Ten Conference contest against Wisconsin. Uh, it's this. It's horrible. It's a terrible black eye on Iowa, on Gary Barta, who, as you mentioned, has cost the university millions and millions of dollars and investigations, and it's like crickets. We get nothing. And here you go with a off-mic comment between Dolph and Bobby Hansen that indicated one student-athlete, which was wrong, and I agree with that, but it wasn't the end of the world, mm-hmm. and it certainly didn't. It certainly wasn't something that should have been played out now in the news media the way that it is right now. Became a bigger story, and it ga- became a bigger yes. story because of the yeah. way that the press release was put out. Yes, it goes back to the head guy, and uh, there's a lot of head scratching over there, Jimmy B. That that's all that you can do. What does it mean going forward? We will see. Uh, We will see if there is going to be more that comes out of this story. What we do know, tomorrow night, Iowa ranked for the first time in a long time, 6-0 for the first time in a long time, a huge matchup with Wisconsin. And as you said, Jim, this is what we're talking about. Iowa basketball, one step forward, two steps back seemingly each and every time. And is it a distraction? You would hope not, but it very well could be. What, What does this do? To the mental state of Macy Daly. You don't know. You yeah. just you don't know. Hey, Jim, uh, we're going to take a break here. We're going to talk Big Ten ACC Challenge. I'll tell you one thing. Good thing I was playing Wisconsin tomorrow night, not Michigan. Holy crap. Man, they're good. They are good. <laughs> they are good again. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. The transformation that they made, and we talked about this so much last season, on the defensive end of the floor and changing what they did on that side. And now you couple it with bunch of new faces, bunch of new names, and they continue to run this path, to run Villanova out of their own building, what they did to Carolina last night. Look out. Michigan is for real. We'll talk Big Ten football and basketball. Ken Silverstein joins us next. 1700 The Champ with the DA Show. Every weekday from 8 to 11 a.m. Damon Amadalora keeping it real with a twist. Vehicle advertising print wraps can be seen tens of thousands of times a day. If you want to increase your advertising footprint with the full or partial final print wrap on your business vehicle, go to CompleteAutoWraps.com. Complete Auto Wraps also specializes in full color change color wraps. Change the color of your vehicle or add a customized look with the print wrap to your vehicle, motorcycle, or boat. Don't pay big dealership or national sign chain prices when you can get yours installed by a professional trained and certified installer. Contact Corby for more information or a free estimate at CompleteAutoWraps.com. Come on out for Des Moines Buccaneer Hockey Friday night at Buccaneer Arena. Visit BucksHockey.com for news, promotions, tickets, and more. BucksHockey.com. Des Moines Bucks Hockey. BucksHockey.com.
No, no, no. Everywhere I go, I hear no. no. It's even November, but not this month. Hey, Joe Clemens here from Capital, Capital City, City Motor, Motor Company. Company. I'm asking Des Moines to say yes during my Yes Member sales event. Say yes to a nicer, newer car. Say yes for up to 4500 bucks more for your trade. Say yes, yes even if you've had credit problems in the past. Get up to 4500 bucks more than appraised value during Yes Member. Don't let the others tell you no. We're giving bad credit the bird. <laughs> my one and only for the people credit approval process is like butter because we're on a roll, baby. We take out the mess and the stress and just say yes to you so say yes to a nicer newer car say yes for up to 4500 bucks more for your old clunker say yes even if you've heard no in the past but hurry this offer ends after the first 75 people gobble up a nicer newer car i'm joe clemens and i'm your dealer for the people come see us at capital city motor company in des moines on east university one block off i-235 on the state fair side call 265-1467 or online at approved by joe.com approved by joe.com www.approvedbyjoe.com when you choose Ankeny Towing for your 24-hour towing and roadside assistance needs, you'll get the fast service you need from their courteous and reliable team. From towing for cars and motorcycles to accident recovery, jump starts, lockouts, fuel delivery, tire changes, and more, you'll get superior service from Ankeny Towing. Ankeny Towing is the preferred towing provider for most insurance companies. And they're on call 24-7. Program 515-964-9816 into your phone now for Ankeny Towing. That's 515-964-9816. Ankeny Towing, your reliable towing. Are you interested in starting a new franchise? You can find a lawyer right here in the state of Iowa to help with your franchise law needs. Rush Niggin with Brick Gentry Law PC provides law services for those involved in starting a new franchise. Find more information online at rushonbusiness.com where Rush Niggin can assist you in buying or starting a new franchise. A presenting sponsor of the 2018 high school football season on 1700 KBGG. Brick Gentry Law PC and Rush Niggin. This year, it's our year. No, no, no. This year, it's my team. Yeah, this is the year. This season, everyone is going to know where I'm tailgating. My team, my colors, my flag. Hello, it's why I fly the flag. This is the year you fly the colors of your favorite team. And you'll find those colors at Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. The largest selection of team flags anywhere. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Buy online and get free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Hi, I'm Janice Lane, CEO of Children and Families of Iowa. This year, Children and Families of Iowa is celebrating our 130th anniversary. Over the years, our mission has remained the same, to work collectively to restore hope, build futures, and change lives for children and families throughout Iowa. Visit us at CFIOWA.org. Thank you for helping us fulfill our mission. The Rookie is Central Iowa's leader in sports cards, collectibles, supplies, and memorabilia. The Rookie has a large selection of vintage and modern-day sports cards for brands such as Topps, Upper Deck, and Panini. Whether you're starting a new collection or building your own, The Rookie has all your needs from football, basketball, baseball, hockey, UFC, and more. It's time to collect. Stop by The Rookie, 9992 Swanson Boulevard, right across from the Willis Auto Campus, and online at TheRookieSportsCards.com. At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company, and we're still a roofing company today. At Wolf Construction, we believe in honest work, a fair price, and work we stand behind, and our 10-year workmanship warranty proves it. We know roofing. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally. 
You're invited to experience great customer service and incredible deals at Billion Buick GMC in Clive. Our reviews say it all. I didn't feel pressured. It was a very smooth process. Our salesman came in on his day off. Now that's going above and beyond. People also appreciate the huge inventory, including the incredible all-new 2019 GMC Sierra. You're invited to Billion Buick GMC in Clive or BillionAuto.com slash GMC. We are professional grade. Real sports talk for real sports fans. It's Jimmy B and TC. Here's Jim and Trent. Welcome back, everybody. We continue right here. Jimmy B and TC, 1700, the champ. Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference Insider, is our guest right now. Ken, let's uh, start right at the very beginning where it was the big Ohio State-Michigan clash and Urban Meyer and his players decided that they were going to have nothing to do with the Wolverines and just beat the ever-loving stuffing out of them. It was shocking. Um... Shocking in that, first of all, that they were an underdog. They never really are ever an underdog to anybody outside of maybe an Alabama, possibly Clemson at this stage, and particularly uh, in conference play. But they were, I don't know, I'm trying to think, Trent might remember. It was like a, a roughly a four-point underdog, give or take a half a point, give or take. Might have been up to five at maybe the highest uh, point. But, yeah, I mean, they they played to the talent level that they have, and they have been... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde all season long, and uh, you could make an argument that entering play, what they were 10-1 entering play, that they were the best, worst team in in college football for many reasons, and yet they put it together, and it, it could have been worse, okay? I mean, they left some points. They were driving the last minute on, on about the five-yard line. They could have scored another touchdown. They probably... I gave up one earlier, so um, it could have been over 70 if they really had pushed it even harder. So um, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Mr. Khaki, is now 0-4, and um, uh, they need some help. Um, I and others, and I admit I raised my right hand, I, I thought Michigan, if they were ever going to do it, and I remember saying this exactly to you guys last week roughly at this time, if they were ever going to do it, that was the time to do it. And they didn't, meaning Michigan do it and grand the game next year is in ann arbor but until i see them do it i've learned my lesson i am not picking michigan to beat ohio state until i see them do it so um big one for osu they move on to the championship game and um we'll see what they do against the uh, the purple that are known as uh, northwestern so what was it for ohio state i mean they, they look like a completely different football team than what we saw the week previous against Maryland. I mean, you go back, and of course, the loss to Purdue notwithstanding, look at the game against Minnesota. I mean, they, they slept walk seemingly almost all this season with all the talent that they had. Was it just the rivalry with component? Was it Urban Meyer pushing those buttons like he did? You guys are an underdog. This is Michigan. I mean, what, what was it that changed in the week? Well, they sleepwalk. There's no doubt. I mean, they. Uh, see, I think, I think one of the things that there's only about maybe three, five programs in the country where at the beginning of every season, if you're not in the Final Four, if you are not fighting for a national championship, it's like it's a disaster. I mean, can you imagine if Alabama didn't make it to the Final Four? I mean, their fan base would be like beside themselves, and that would only be beginning. Clemson is the same way. 
Ohio State is the same way. There may be one or two others who feel they're on that plateau, whatever. And so, yeah, they, they have basically sleepwalked, sleptwalked, whatever, this entire season. I think TCU had their attention early on in the season because uh, TCU's been a top-20 program, and I think, and guys, we'd have to check on this, I think on the eve of that game, which now feels like um, years ago, even though it's only a few months, that game was played at Jerry World. I want to say that TCU was definitely in the top 20 at that point on the eve of that game. It might have been as high as around 14 or 15. That gets their attention, at least with these kids. Uh, maybe not every team he's had here, but this squad, for whatever reason, and that's why they're still even a little bit concerned about Northwestern, because they're going to look at Northwestern and go, give me a break. It's Northwestern. Come on. we got kids that are third team that are better than these guys. So I think we'll get into that later in this conversation when we maybe break the game down. But, yeah, they, they, they have slept walks, leapwalked again the entire season. The Indiana game, the Minnesota game, the Nebraska game, the Maryland game. Look, taking nothing away from Purdue. Jeff Brom and his staff did a great job, and they deserved to win that game, and they won it by, what, 29, I think? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. their lone loss. So, But those other games, they basically sleepwalked sleep through the whole thing. And, um um, I don't know. Um, you know, Michigan gets their attention. There, there's no doubt. That's that's the biggest rival in the conference, and that gets that gets national attention. And no matter what year it is, that gets the um, the roster to realize, you know what? If we don't bring our A game here, this might not work out. So they brought their A game, and they won by three plus touchdowns. Ken Silverstein is our guest. We're talking Big Ten. Um, you just referenced Purdue. Uh, there was a certain coach that I think everybody in Louisville felt that this was a foregone conclusion. And Brome says, no, I- I'm not going to go home. I like where I am, and he's going to stay with Purdue. Did that shock you? Did you see it coming that he was going to stay? Where were you on that big announcement yesterday? Well, um, man, oh man, I'm on a bad streak. I had Michigan winning. Okay, and I had Jeff Brown <laughs> leaving because of, because most people leave under those circumstances. They go home. He's got family there. His, his dad's there. The whole, the whole crew is there. And, look, Louisville is in shambles right now, the, the basketball program. Big win by Louisville on the court the other night. Uh, so Chris Mack with a, a nice W. But you see what I'm getting at. Petrino has screwed it up totally. Obviously, the basketball program is now, what, on their third coach in about a year and three quarters, give or take, uh, technically. So um, the athletic department's got a long way to go to get this thing turned around. But even with all that said, I thought home sweet home was going to win out. It shows a couple things. Number one, it shows loyalty, big-time loyalty, because believe me, it's not like he was at Michigan and turning down a job to go somewhere else. Purdue is Purdue. Yes, they are better, but they're not Michigan or Penn State, Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. They're just not, and it's never going to happen. But to his credit, he's a loyal guy, and that is very commendable. So kudos to him. Number two, they, the university, stepped up, which I thought they never would because they'd never done it really in the past, and came up with more shekels, better known as money. And uh, they've made some other promises, uh, which they need now to keep from an administration standpoint in regards to the overall football program. So um, 
I don't know if it came down to maybe he's looking at the, the next couple of years and he's looking at the West. And I don't know if he's misreading this or not because I, I, I was always going to be Iowa. Wisconsin's always going to run the ball with big boys up front. They're always going to be around down here this year. But uh, he does a really nice job, Paul Chris. And I think this is a one-year aberration for Wisconsin. Um, I think Pat Fitzgerald, I've said this many times, I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. He does more with less than about anybody in the country with the academics. He's not getting five stars. He's not even getting many four stars, okay? And he could flat-out coach. And if I was a major university, and I know many have tried, I would try the Dickens to get him out of Evanston, but it hasn't worked so far. Another very loyal guy in Pat Fitzgerald. So he's looking at the next couple of years. He knows he's got, he knows he's got Rondell Moore for two more years because he's gone after his junior year. The NFL will welcome him with open arms in two years. So he's looking at it and thinking to himself, all right, it's the West. I don't have to worry about the East at this point geographically. I don't think they're going to change in realignment of the conference divisions in the Big Ten. I know I'm in a bowl game again. What do I envision for this team? He obviously envisions them continuing to improve. Can they win the West in the next two years, let's say, before Rondell Moore moves on to the NFL? I don't know. I mean, I guess they got a, a shot at it, but I, I wouldn't bank the mortgage payment on it. They're improved, but I just, this is a fluky year. Um, yeah, they're 8 and 4 Northwestern. What, they got the one loss in conference play, but I don't know. I, I you know, there are other teams in that, in the bracket, in the division. Nebraska's going to continue to improve. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. Northwestern is always going to kind of hang around. Iowa's Iowa, okay, and that's a good thing. So I don't know if he's not misreading it a little bit, but he's rolling the dice that over the next couple of years he can have this continuation from a growth spurt. We'll see. We'll know a lot more in 365 days. If they're still stuck at 6-6 six and six, or, God forbid, 5-7 and seven in that ballpark, then I can make a hell of an argument maybe he made a mistake. But if they go from what, 6-6 six and six this year to, I don't know, let's say 8-4, and four, then I think he made the right move. Ken, uh, obviously Ohio State needs to win to have any shot at the playoff. They're going to be rooting early in the day Saturday for Tom Herman. I know that'll be difficult for wow, plenty difficult. of uh, Ohio State fans to be doing that, but they'll be out there rooting for for the burnt orange of Texas uh, to open up a path. Of course, Alabama then win the SEC championship in, in big fashion, and then the path will be there. But if Oklahoma wins, however, but they win. Is there any path at all for Ohio State to surpass them? You heard what the committee said. It, it feels like even if they did like they did to Wisconsin a couple years back and win it 66-3, that they can't overtake the Sooners. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I'm not sure I totally understand the thinking of this committee. Uh, quite frankly, um, they, they talk literally out of both sides of their mouth. They, they talk about Oklahoma's offense being so great, and it is. It's it's like human pinball. Okay, I mean it's ring 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 ring. Let's ring up more points. I I get it. It's fun to watch and so forth. It's very entertaining. They're number one offense in all of college football. Ohio State's number two. Now, is there a pretty good gap between one and two? Mm, yeah, depending on which categories you look at. Yeah, but it's not like you're talking about number one and number twenty-five. It's number one and number two. So I'm not sure why they think there's such a gap. 
uh, and why they're putting all their eggs into the argument, well, their offense is Star War-like, and that's why, well, we know their defense is awful. And no one will dispute that. They can't, they can't tackle. They can't do nothing defensively. They may be one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen, okay? But they have, they have made their bed with Oklahoma's offense, and I think you're right, under that scenario, not only does Ohio State lose, let's put them off to the side here because there are haters out there, and, and I get it, and, and so forth. Let's put them off to the side for the moment. Let's look at the bigger picture. Let's say Ohio State beats Northwestern, whether they beat them by 1 or 11 or whatever the number may be, okay? And they're crowned Big Ten champs. Let's say follow the bouncing ball. They do not get in. We'll give Oklahoma the fourth slot. Assume Alabama wins. Alabama will take on. Oklahoma, and we'll keep it two and three consistent, and we'll have Clemson take on Notre Dame. Okay, those are your four teams. Now let's go, let's go to Chicago. Now we're not stopping in at the Northwestern campus. We're stopping in at the Big Ten headquarters, and we're going up the elevator to um, the commissioner's office, and we're sitting in with the commish. And when we say to the commish, commish, Ohio State didn't get in. They beat Northwestern. They ended up at number five. Hmm. Now let's reflect on what happened last year. Ohio State beat Wisconsin. Not decidedly. I think, if I remember, I think it was a touchdown uh, difference. Okay? Ohio State did not get in. Better yet, the Big Ten didn't get in. So that's now, what, two years in a row, potentially. Mm -hmm. Now let's go back the year prior to that. The Big Ten did not get in. So if Ohio State doesn't get in, whether it's Ohio State or anybody else, right now it would only be Ohio State because Northwestern is not getting in. That would be, gentlemen, am I correct in counting three years consecutively that the Big Ten would not be in the Final Four? Correct. That's that a problem. Right. That is a big, big problem. Okay. For, again, forget that it's Ohio State. Okay. That doesn't, that's not the big part of the equation here. It's bigger than that. It's the problem from a conference standpoint, it's a reputation standpoint. It's a, credibility standpoint, whatever you want to call it, that's not good. What it looks like, if this scenario pans out, and it is, let's say, three years in a row, but the Big Ten looks like the Pac-12. And I don't know about you guys, that's not a complimentary. That's not a compliment to be compared to, in this case, the, Pac uh, the Pac-12. So if I'm, if I'm Commissioner Delaney, and I'm not, but I'm going to play him for the time being, I do not like this. This is not working out, okay? He's not prejudiced. He doesn't care who represents the Big Ten. He just wants the Big Ten in there every, every year. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if they come from the East, the West, the West, or the East. It does not matter to him, okay? He is going to be one upset individual. Now, he may not say anything publicly because that's not his, not his shtick, but believe me, he will be fuming, and I'd be fuming if I was in the office with him because it doesn't look good for the conference that potentially, and there's a really good chance this is going to happen, that Oklahoma's going to be number four, and the Big Ten is going to be left on the outside looking in, and that's not good from a conference perspective. All right, then, if that is the case, let's just say that Georgia beats Alabama. So Georgia and Alabama get in, Notre Dame is in, Clemson wins, they're in. Now your scenario of the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 are all out on the outside looking in. 
Will that conversation then heat up, and will they attempt to put pressure on trying to move to eight teams? Well, I know you have been a big proponent for a long time, Jim, about getting this thing uh, to eight. And I'll, I'll take it a step further, even though this is not Ph.D. stuff for yours truly here. Give one and two a bye, have three play, what, six, four play, five, and then the winners advance, and we move from there. And if someone says, well, it's adding too many more weeks of football, yeah, I, I can buy that argument a little bit. What I would advocate then is increase the scholarship number, okay, by three to five more players per team. I don't think anybody out there would dispute that whole bunch, particularly mom and dad who could get you know, a chance for a kid to play at a major school where maybe they end up having to go somewhere else, but if there were a couple more scholarship at an Iowa or wherever, that they could go to, uh, let's say, an Iowa rather than go to a, a Mac school. Okay, okay. So I would increase, I would go from one to eight, give one or two buys, three, six, four, five, add a couple more scholarships per um, your major schools. And then at the same time, what I would do, I would start the season even a week earlier in August, okay? And if need be, and I don't know if this will work out mathematically with a calendar, so help me on this part of it, guys, add a second bye week, okay? Mm. Add a second bye week. Spread it out so that, I don't know, um, they're not back-to-back. We wouldn't want that. But they're separated enough where, for example, let's say you got to buy in week four or five, most schools, and then come back around week eight or nine-ish, maybe ten at the latest, game ten, and have a buy during that week. Any of that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. Next year, the way the schedule falls, there will be two bye weeks in there for, for uh, most power conference teams, and it does set up that way. The one problem you do run into is, yeah, these guys are still students, and you run into finals, and you run into finals, you know, there no in doubt. December, and that's that's one of the hangups. But they'd figure that out. They always do. They would find a way. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what avenue. Can you ends up imagine, going. Trent, the money? Oh yeah, because you'd be adding what? Help me with the math here. You'd be adding at least what? One more round? Yeah, I guess. What? Yeah, one more round. So whatever one round's worth monetarily, and I have no idea other than it's a lot of cash, okay? Whatever it is, it's so much money that you take that extra money added to the money already being made, and the mountain of cash just goes northerly. It doesn't go east, west, or south. It goes northerly. So money talks, the rest walks. You, I, you know, they keep stalling, but if Jim's scenario is correct, oh, my goodness, you're going to have the Big Ten the Pac-12 and the Big 12, and having two SEC teams in with Notre Dame, who doesn't even play a conference championship game, that's, that's a, another issue beside itself, taking away their perfect season uh, so far. And then you'd have Clemson. They're playing Pitt. If they don't beat Pitt by three or four touchdowns, there's something wrong. Okay, now, if we bring back Pitt with, let's say, Tony Dorsett and Dan Marino, and Hugh Green, I, I'm dating myself here, but you see what I'm saying. The best of the best that's ever played at the University of Pittsburgh. Okay, Mike did get played at the University of Pittsburgh, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes. Okay, whatever. The point is, if I could bring those guys back at 19, 20 years old, then you know what? I think we can play with Clemson. Okay, I'd have Marino, I'd have Hugh Green, <laughs> stud linebacker, rush guy. I'd have Tony Dorsett running the ball. And I'd have Ditka in his prime 
at what tight end. I think I could play with Clemson today, but that ain't going to happen. All these people are much older than 19, 20 years old. Okay, and I hope uh, Coach Dick feels better. I know he had <laughs> yeah. uh, some uh, some ailments uh, over the last week or two. Uh, good health for for the for the coach. So it's it, it, if Jim is right, and that's your final four. Oh my goodness, these commissioners are going to be, and you know what? That will speed it up because when you got heavy hitters like Delaney and others screaming, if not publicly, privately to whomever they need to talk to, that no, this is not acceptable. We need, even if we went to six and then graduated to eight at a certain time frame, I'd be willing to do that. But under Jim's scenario, it would be pretty ugly. Final thing for you, we're talking with Ken Silverstein to look around the Big Ten. We go to basketball. The ACC Big Ten Challenge in the books, it ends in a draw. Certainly much better than what happened to the Big Ten a year ago as they were pummeled in the matchup. But Big Ten Conference play starts tomorrow. Iowa-Wisconsin, a top 25 matchup there. Hoops, conference game starting in November, Ken Silverstein. Do you like it? No, not really. I'm a traditionalist. I I mean, granted, we're... What are we talking, you know, the last day of November, so maybe we're being a little picky here, what tomorrow is the 30th, but a really good encounter, two top 25 teams. Ethan Happ, double-double machine, obviously, for the Badgers. He's the key guy for Iowa. If they can corral him, uh, you're looking at not only 1-0 in conference, but remaining perfect overall and a win against another top 25 team. In this case, Iowa beating Wisconsin, obviously, pushes Iowa, depending on what other people do. Maybe 10, 11 ish, 12 in that ballpark. So, uh, off to a great start. Great start for the kids and for Fran and, and the coaching staff. Obviously, kudos. Um, I, you know, it would be nice if you're taking on Illinois because Illinois right now uh, looks like they are in a lot of trouble. And they're the only team, when you look at the standings right now, uh, who are under 500. Everybody basically, what, has one or max two losses. And even the teams that have two losses, the losses have come or if there is such a thing, quality losses. So uh, I think, uh, again, to uh, the big picture here, if you're, if you're the commissioner, I think as much as he may be troubled with potentially three years in a row of his Big Ten winner, conference champion not being in the Final Four, I think he's probably looking at the hoop situation and going, hmm, I like this. Look at this. i got a bunch of teams in the top 25. i got a bunch of teams that are unbeaten. i got even a couple more that, even more than a couple more that have one loss. Two, a couple that have two losses, but they're going to be fine. Teams like Michigan State and so forth. Iowa's off to a great start. Michigan is off to a great start. Nebraska's off to a very nice start. Really, the only team that is scuffling right now is um, is Illinois. They're the only ones right now, at least record-wise, uh, are not doing well. But we'll see what they do uh, coming up as uh, pretty much everyone jumps into uh, conference play. Illinois has got Nebraska coming up, what, on Sunday, the Illini at uh, at Lincoln, so uh, we'll see what the Illini can do uh, against the uh, the Huskers. All right, Ken. Thank you, pal. It's always good when we catch up to you. We'll talk at you. Thank you. We'll talk to you next Thursday, guys. Thank you. Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference Insider, right here, 1700, the champ. I'm telling you, Trent, look, I, I just hope that this kind of plays out. You know me. I love chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd I'd like to see this absolutely topsy turvy. I really would. Let's get a break here and let's talk about those scenarios. We'll cap things coming up next here. 
some of those scenarios that are out there and getting this thing really crazy. We'll talk about that next as Jimmy B and TC continues right here on 1700 The Champ. All right, Jim, as we uh, finish things off here in our hour today together, you know, uh, we, we ended there talking with Ken Silverstein. You talked about chaos. What What right. is the most chaotic scenario that you can envision? Is it Texas beating Oklahoma, Northwestern beating Ohio State, and yes. Georgia playing... I, I think if if that lays out and Georgia at least keeps it relatively close against Alabama, I think Georgia gets the nod. But you're also setting up a rematch there. If yes. we had a healthy Central Florida with Mackenzie Milton, maybe there would have been a path for them to get in. That would be off the board. But you love chaos, so what's the scenario you're hoping for? What's the most chaotic one you can get to? Well, I think what I, I laid out where you would have um, – three of the uh, Power Five conferences eliminated. I think that one would kind of uh, be the the topper, to be honest with you. If indeed Georgia beat Alabama and you had Georgia-Alabama in and Notre Dame, and then if Clemson won as well. But here's something that, that I, I thought of this one as well. So Georgia beats Alabama, okay. so those two get in, yep. Notre Dame is in, mm-hmm. Clemson gets upset by Pitt, Northwestern beats Ohio State, Texas beats Oklahoma, well, the next team in line is number 7, Michigan. Yeah, that wouldn't happen, though. I mean, Mich- Michigan's I'm, not going to Okay, so then, so then if Central Florida, despite the fact no. they've lost their great quarterback, nope. if they roll Memphis, would they jump nope. up and get in? Nope, absolutely not. Not going to happen. Not okay. without Milton. If, okay. if Mackenzie Milton was healthy, I think the conversation would be different. But I, I just can't envision it. I think Clemson still would be in good shape. Unless they got blown out by Pitt. But if they lose a tight yeah. game and they lose 27-24, yeah, I, I, I think Clemson still would probably be in, in that scenario. But... You know, we're, we're, we're trying to create these scenarios, Jim. The unfortunate part is I don't think we're going to get any of that. I think this is all going to be yeah, pretty cut and dry. It's either yep. going to be Ohio State beats Northwestern as we anticipate. Oklahoma loses, bang. There's Ohio State. Oklahoma wins, They're bang. In. They're in. They're in. Now, one thing I would love, and people get so enamored with just the win-loss record and the, the number behind the losses, but if Georgia takes Alabama to the wire and they lose mm-hmm. on, in a tight game, they're one of the best four teams in the country. They're a more complete team than Oklahoma and Ohio State. They do that, even with the loss that they have to LSU, but they lose a tight game to Alabama. I know it would be a rematch, but shouldn't they be in? If, if we're looking for the four best teams, and Georgia does that and shows that against a team in Alabama that nobody's been able to show that, they really should be in, even with two losses as opposed to the one from Oklahoma and Ohio State. I think I think if that's the case, and they do get in, and Oklahoma and Ohio State, if they both won, are left on the doorstep, I'm telling you, it, it will be screaming and yelling like you have never seen before, and I, 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 I that's why I, that's why I want it to happen. I'm a big proponent of eight teams, and that's and that's perfect. That way you wouldn't have these predicaments and you wouldn't be eliminating some really good teams that have one loss or maybe two from that matter. So from that aspect... But then you're uh, devaluing I, I the regular season. You're, you're, you're deva- that? But doing by doing that, though, you're devaluing the regular season. Well, yeah, but right now... And that's what makes college you, football special. 
Well, I know it, but I don't think it would change. I really don't. I don't think you're going to be devaluing the season. I really, I really don't. I, I just think that you need to have the so-called best teams having a chance to play for the NCAA title. They do, Jim. Jim, there, there's three teams that are really I, I, deserving this year. There's three teams. There, well, there are. There yeah. are, yes. But, but what I'm saying is, is when this thing came up, one of the big criteria was conference champions. And that has been blown away uh, on on several uh, in several the, the years. Gym, where would, the con- it, it, that that has gone away. The conference championship now means nothing. No, it, it doesn't mean nothing. But the biggest criteria, the number one reason for this whole thing, when they went to four, number one behind, ahead of conference championships and anything else, was the four best teams. That's all they're trying to do. And that's yes, why they said that. you didn't have to win a conference championship. That's why they said you didn't have to be in a conference like Notre no, they Dame. Changed. That, they, they changed. When they put the first thing that was said, Jim, is they wanted the four best. That's what this was. And a big part of that was Mike Slive because he put his foot down and said, no, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do it right. We're going to try to get the best four teams. And that's what they've mm-hmm. done. Conference championships don't matter. It's about getting the four best. And because they're trying to get the four best, I, that's why I don't have a problem with Notre Dame. I mean, scheduling the way they did and not winning a conference championship and not having the 13th data point. Because you know what the oh, 13th data point was for Alabama this year? It was the Citadel. Was I mean, it? if if we yeah. want Notre Dame this <laughs> yeah, week to play Drake, God. go for it. You know, we, yeah, can, we can go the for that. Citadel. Right, because that, that was one of their 13 games for Alabama. And the same thing for Georgia. The same thing for Clemson. They play right. an extra garbage game in there. That makes it yes. different. But hey, we're out of time. We're out of here. And I'm watching NBA tonight, Jim, but we don't have time to talk about it. I'm excited <laughs> to watch it. Nick Nurse we'll and, do it. and the Raptors. Yes. yes. Nick Nurse on the sidelines. All right. Let's get out of here, and we can discuss that tomorrow. That sounds great. We will do it tomorrow coming up here on The Drive from 4 until 6 o'clock. Myself and Wolfgang will be with you. we got a busy show. Kevin Lehman's going to be joining us. We'll talk a lot of college basketball with Kevin. A look at the Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs with him. Ben Kirchival from CBSSports.com will continue to argue about the college football playoff. Ben Visser on the Cyclones from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. All coming your way today from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Tiki and Tierney is next, CBS Sports Radio on 1700 The Champ.